even though it looks like a cut and dry call, none of the referees stopped the game. <laughs> That's why this game is so awesome. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody welcome to the sincast this is chris atkinson from cinema sins joined as always by the voice of cinema sins jeremy scott hello and from music video sins barrett share i am full of beef mm-hmm. <laughs> yes that's true we, we all, all are yes in a, in a sense mm-hmm. um, <laughs> in a sense aren't we all <laughs> yes um we're gonna do another guess the goose uh, <laughs> guess the goose Guess, guess, the guess, 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 guess the goose, goofs, goof. Where I will be quiz master and the person Ooh. most responsible for whoever hates me later. <laughs> uh, before we get into that, I do want to correct a couple of things that we said in the last episode. Mostly, it's all my fault. Uh, we called the in Murder Ball. I called the um, the players in that in those games quadriplegics. They are paraplegics. Ah. Uh, and so I wanted to correct that. Uh, also it wasn't Chris Archer who was on the mound when the mat, when the brawl happened between the Mets and the pirates, it was Marcus Stroman mm. who was on the mound. Mm. Um, mm. so I, I, I made a, a, a mistake there and then, yeah, we know someone, the, one of the, uh, widows, uh, um, built that serum that turns the widows, not into widows. We get it. We get it already. <laughs> Enough with the black widow corrections. <laughs> But thankfully, Chris's recollection of that brawl between the Braves and the Padres, oh, Padres, right? Nip. Yeah, uh, caused me to look it up, not only for the footage, which is rad, mm-hmm. but the John Boy video. John Boy. And it's so good. <laughs> the, when he gets to the... Everybody's bald, by the way. I don't know why everybody was bald in the seven, or the 80s, I mm-hmm. guess. All these ball players are bald. Half of them are like unhealthily fat. Um, one guy's like a Marine vet or something like... Or fought in Vietnam. He fought in Vietnam. <laughs> champ summers but, but then there's a dude with his shirt off with the crazy eyes yeah and that commentary had me absolutely fucking dying that's the best that's thing so about good. john boy i would recommend it by the way if you i mean even if you don't like baseball i think there are a lot of people who don't like baseball who watch john boy stuff he'll go he 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 knows how to read lips really well so like <laughs> it's so funny when he goes over like you know that's a fucking ball because <laughs> he's got it in slow-mo so he's he's matching what it says in slow mo, yeah. But um, he he got he got on the radar because of that uh, that uh, whatever it was either the Aaron Boone thing where he said uh, my players are uh, are animals or something like or savages in the box or savages in the box. That was one of his big ones, and then there was another one where uh, the the umpire was telling the Mets manager, "You got, we've got our asses in the jackpot." Oh yeah, <laughs> I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah. got our ass in the jackpot. Oh my god, I kept going. I, I went down a rabbit hole. I did the Nolan Ryan, uh, Robin Ventura one. I did, uh, I did the Pedro Don Zimmer one. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is all of these are hilarious. Anyway, I derailed. Uh, so yeah, let's get into guess the goose. Mm-hmm. If guess you guys don't recall, this is us going. This is uh, we're, we play a game where we get on the IMDb, we pick a movie, we look at the goof section on the IMDb, and then we pick out some goofs and we try to uh, make it. We, we we put a game where we have four uh, four uh, I guess goofs of 
decreasing difficulty or increasing easiness? What do you want to go? <laughs> um, uh, and and uh, I tried my best, guys. This could be the easiest one we've ever done. It never is. Well, I think now that we have all done it, I think we can all agree. You can't. You don't know. When yeah. you're putting this together, you don't know until you throw it out there if yeah. you've done it too hard or too easy, um, which is kind of why I love this game. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be weeks where it's really easier and weeks where it's like impossible and the fans seem to be loving it. I just hope there's there's uh, Red Eye is one of the answers. <laughs> All right. Uh, so i got to edit the <laughs> yeah, third round. Yeah, you need round. to come up, come up with it. But, yeah, I'll tell you guys right off, and you guys probably already know this, having been quiz masters in this one before. There were times I took out character names because I wasn't too sure if it would give it away. Yep. Yeah. But when you take out the character names, it does make it that it makes it super harder yep. to understand. So, so maybe you know, it's it, there's going to be a balance. There's going to be some times I'm sure I'm going to get yelled at for <laughs> something. Uh, but we'll try our best. I have I've done the same sort of format here. I'm starting with 1994 and moving my way up. Nice. There will be oh, that's cool. There will be five rounds. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. I also have written two tiebreaker ones Ooh, in case we get into that excellent. into that zone. Excellent. And then as a reminder, you've probably already said this. Um, if there is a tie at the end. The person with the fewest clues needed mm-hmm. will win. Now, in the event that we needed the same amount of clues needed, then we would proceed to the tie. Yes, yes, that is exactly the right. Lightning round. Yes. <laughs> Stop doing that. Um, so, um, I know for a fact that you've seen these movies. Uh, uh, that's that's one of those things that you know, just so that. Uh, that it wouldn't be one of these things where it's like, oh, well, shit, I've never seen that before. Right. I, I So I made sure that you probably have seen it, like there's a high probability that you've seen these. Some of these, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm I, I'm trying to figure out who should go first because I know that there's some that are more weighted towards one player or another. Right. So I'll say this. Jeremy, pick which number you want to go on this in this game. I will go first. You will go first. Okay. <sighs> there we so go. are we all ready? We ready? We're ready to go? Can't wait! First year is 1994. All right, all right. Now, as a reminder, I started with 96 Mm -hmm. with mine. You started at 1990, Mm -hmm. and you started at 94. I like the variety Mm -hmm. that we're going with here. Uh, Clue number one. When the main character is talking on the radio in the minutes leading up to the nuclear explosion, he states that it is a bright boy alert. This alert does not exist in the United States military nuclear incident terminology. This type of incident would be classed as a broken arrow, unexplained or unauthorized detonation with no risk of full nuclear war. I'm pretty reasonably sure it's not broken. No, arrow. you gotta you gotta guess broken arrow, baby. <laughs> I don't think he would put the title of the movie in the hardest clue. That'd be so fucking baller. <laughs> like, no, there's no way. Of course, it's 96. Yeah, uh, yeah. 94. Get ready to me one more time. When the sure. main character is on the radio, yep. right? When the main character is talking on the radio in the minutes leading up to the nuclear explosion, he states that it is a bright boy alert. This alert does not exist in the United States military nuclear incident terminology. This type of incident would be classed as a broken arrow, unexplained or unauthorized detonation with no risk of full nuclear war. All right. I need another clue. I really, right. want, I really want to hammer that one, but <laughs> ooh, I'm going to take another one. Second clue. 
When Simon is driving across the Francis Scott Key Bridge southbound, a shot of the Capitol building can be seen in the background. In reality, the Key Bridge goes from Georgetown to Arlington, which is on the west side of the city, while the Capitol building is on the east side of the city. The Capitol building is not visible from any point of the Key Bridge. Fuck me. Simon. Simon the bright boy. <laughs> Simon, Simon the bright, bright boy. boy. <laughs> Nuclear. I need a clue. All right. Clue number three. In the toilet shootout scene, Aziz fires nearly 100 rounds from his AK-74 without reloading, but the magazine holds only 30. More than 50 holes can be counted in toilet stalls alone. You did say toilet shootout. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a, a slip up. No. Nope. Toilet shootout. <laughs> mm-hmm. Could mean a lot of things. Yeah, it could. It could. That's right. <laughs> Do you want to play battleships? <laughs> yes. I already feel like I already feel like I should know this. I felt like I should have gotten it on the first one. And there's either a nuclear explosion or one that almost happens. But I think he says before the nuclear explosion. I think the movie has to have a nuclear explosion. Bullets. Fuck me with the bullets. Bullets can eat me. That's not helpful. Toilet shootout. That should be helpful. Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> Toilet shootout. When Henry Cavill reloads his fist. Yes. So at least <laughs> yeah. part of this is in D.C. because we have Simon driving on the wrong bridge. Fucking Simon. Mm-hmm. No one knows where he's can't, going. You just can't take him anywhere. <laughs> Simon. I really should be attacking this from a better perspective. Instead of just trying to think of the movie, I should actually try and think of movies that came out in 94, which it's not Shawshank. I'm pretty sure about that. I need, I need the last clue. Hmm. All right. The last clue is, as the main character hangs from the ledge of the roof of the Marriott Hotel, he is hanging in front of the neon letters that spell Marriott. Between shots, he hangs in front of the A and then the R as he is trying to get back up on the roof. The fuck? Fucking hell. I hate this character. <laughs> get, get on the roof, you dumbass. Yeah, right? Why are you hanging off on the... I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely blanking on years, and that's my problem. A lot of people. <laughs> um, <laughs> girls, I want to take a girl to a nuclear detonation. At this point, I have to guess, right? There's no more clues. And if I get it wrong, Bubba's going to steal it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That is that is his chance. He's trying to look like he doesn't know it, which I think <laughs> means he knows it. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> That's, can this game last forever so that I'll just think of it eventually? I feel um, like that should be that should be a, a new wrinkle. <laughs> Simon, Arlington Road. Barrett, would you like to steal? <laughs> it's not that. Maybe then. Arlington Road was way later than that. It was. It was. I think it was ninety nine. Yeah. Around there. <laughs> Fucking hell. Because we were both at Hollywood twenty seven. I hate this game and I hate your ass face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a stupid guess Goldeneye. Uh neither of you are correct, which I am again when you when you make these things, you I think it's because you know what the answer is, right? Yeah, I I think it is. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe we don't need to worry about making it so hard or whatever. If I said when Harry is talking on the radio in the minutes leading up to the nuclear Speed? Speed? Not speed. It's not speed. Is it But that's it, a good guess. Is it the Irish Jeff Oh, blown Bridges, away? Blown no, away? it's not blown away. It's Harry, 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 Harry. Uh, is it in the line of fire? No. No, I'll just go ahead. It's True Lies. I had thought of True Lies at one point. Mm-hmm. When do they go to fucking D.C. in True Lies? 
Oh, the headquarters the yeah, horse chase, all that fucking shit. God damn it, I thought of that. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about like who are the action stars of the of the day, and I got hung up on Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was, you know, I'm a die harder like my boy Bruce Willis. <laughs> God, when you did the Marriott thing, I I had True Lies flash. Well, that's in my what head. that's. I was sitting there like, okay, Marriott Hotel. That's like, I, I was I was thinking about ones that we've been given before. Like you gave me that one clue on the Superman Returns that should have just immediately told me that was what it was. But I I had only seen that movie twice, right. and uh, years ago. So I was like, I don't fucking know. You know, it's crazy. I've only seen True Lies all the way through once. Well, you, you know why I think that is? Because it's five hours long. Well, it's long, yes, <laughs> but it's also hard to find on Blu-ray. Like it, oh, it really? there's no. There, I've tried to. I've tried to find this for sending purposes. By the way, <laughs> um, and I think there's a. We could still get this one, but I don't like buying them. Like it's a German uh blu-ray or whatever and i'm sure you would i'm sure it has it's sure you could hear the english it's not dubbed and all that but i just don't like buying those so i've been waiting for this big like pimped out james cameron you know 30 year anniversary yeah. edition and i they, he just for some reason cameron doesn't want to put his shit on physical mania you can't find the abyss you can find titanic obviously and you right. can find avatar but you can't find the abyss and true lies and stuff like that yeah so true lies has always been i've seen parts of it but uh i've, I've only once seen it all the way through anyway like that's my true lies story horse <clears throat> we will now go to barrett for his 1994 movie Just to be clear no one has any points yet yeah nobody has any points and uh you know uh may may god have mercy on your souls uh first clue of this 1994 movie all the lights are off in the diner. Even in daytime, the overhead lights would be on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the diner. Mm-hmm. It's not the movie Diner. It's not the movie Diner, yes. I I, I, I will allow that it is not Diner. This is 1994 as well, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. All the lights are off in the diner. Uh, even in the day, which it's in the day, obviously. It's in the day. It's in the day. Why aren't those fucking lights on? Fucking yeah, hell. Seriously. All right. Next one, please. <clears throat> clue number two when the boxer is shown as a boy in a flashback the boy has blue eyes but the adult character has dark green eyes <laughs> you're not gonna give me this you're not gonna give me this i'm gonna do one more clue but i i have the most obvious answer mm-hmm. okay yeah next one please okay See, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm talking about. If he does get this within a certain amount, then I feel like I'm, you know, I failed in some way, but whatever. When Coolidge opens the door of the apartment with a brass quickset key, he turns the key clockwise, which in fact would actually lock the doorknob. Turning it counterclockwise unlocks the quickset entry lock set. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction's correct. Wow. I, I, I mean, I, I had Butch on that second one, mm-hmm. but it just seems so obvious uh but again that's just because of where my brain is but yeah. uh, i still didn't have it <clears throat> the did last, you not you didn't i think this sit- last one might have given it away uh discharging a shotgun in a small basement causes an at least at least a temporary loss of hearing yet after wallace shoots a man everyone in the basement is able to understand each other without even raising their voices so yeah so i i, I don't know that if you know like if jeremy is going second I mean, you're not going to get the first one, and then if you go second, I don't know. Do you get it? He's going to steal it. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I think it was a good round. Might have gotten that one. Mm-hmm. I, 
I'm already I'm already pretty sure I'm going to be the worst player at this. <laughs> but I still might end up I can redeem myself by being one of the better quiz masters. That's true. At this. Uh, That's true. you so. won the first one of these. I so did. I think you're but doing it's looking okay. flukish right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling the confidence. Yeah. Mister soon to be living the rest of his <laughs> short ass life in agonizing pain. Believe me, like every nearly every goof in that Pulp Fiction section gives it away. <laughs> Vincent, Jules, yeah. the wall. Even if you, well, even if you write different characters, like you say the main character, or say something like that that covers up the, co- the character name, it's like. Oh, when they're injecting uh, this person with a needle, you know. Yeah. Like, what you well, I, I always thought, and I, this is probably a goof in there. He gets like a magic marker, and she's sweating bullets, but mm-hmm. he can draw that shit like super easy. It's actually, I don't know if that's in there. They they do say that it disappears. I think yeah. is one of the yeah, yeah. is one of the ones. But we're on to 1999. Barrett leads 99. Uh, Best year ever. So I need to stop guessing '94 movies. At That's this right. Point. Yeah, 1994 is is right out as okay. Monty Python would say. Uh, this movie in 1999, the first clue. When Anna sells the couple a sapphire ring, she puts the ring in a ring box and then goes to wrap it. To get in the to get the ring in the box, she pushes down on the center stone with her index finger. She is not wearing gloves, so she would have just gotten fingerprints all over the main stone of the ring. No one who handles valuable antique jewelry as part of their profession would be so careless about getting fingerprints on a valuable sapphire. God, the people who write these things. I know, I know. <laughs> I just like, they've, they've, I found my moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm the expert <laughs> on not putting fingerprints on rings. What are you telling was, you? That's exactly what CinemaSins does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was one in True Lies where it was like, the bullets were shot at an angle, but the holes were, were straight. That's, that's all it says. It's just one line. The bullets were shot at an angle, but the holes were straight. I bet that person was so proud of himself, and it is a him. <laughs> they got done, hit enter, and was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah this right. always bothered me. <laughs> Give me the first couple sentences of that clue again. I know the rest is kind of pointless. When Anna sells the couple a sapphire ring. That's what I need. To, uh, she puts, when Anna sells the couple she a su- sapphire she, ring. She puts the ring in a ring box and then goes to wrap it. She presses down. Mm-hmm. It's the sixth sense. Yeah, you're right. I've redeemed myself quicker than I thought. Jesus. <laughs> See, I told you. You motherfucker. I, okay, the, the the problem here is not your clue at all. It's my clue. No, it's not. <laughs> it's 1999. Mm-hmm. And I saw everything that year. Mm-hmm. And you and I were both working at Hollywood 27. Mm-hmm. Oh. Whereas, whereas 93, I'm not, wor- 94, I'm not working in a movie theater. So I always, my brain always thinks Pulp Fiction came out in 93 even though it came out in 94. Mm-hmm. And those years are muddled. For 99, 2000, crystal fucking clear. Yeah. Uh. Um, and um, I did not remember her name was Anna, but I did remember that she was an antiques dealer. Mm-hmm. What was a, can you give me a, like just a couple of the other? I was going yeah. to do the others. Uh, the tape that is labeled uh, Vincent Gray in the first shot has the label missing in the next shot. That would not have helped me. Uh, during the traffic accident scene, Pennsylvania State Vehicle Inspection stickers, which are required in the lower left corner of driver windshield, are visible on the cars in front of the main characters. As the camera, do- it says Coles, mm-hmm. uh, as the camera dollies towards the ma- towards the car. But this mother's Volvo, mm-hmm. but his mother's Volvo has no stickers, even though earlier in the grocery store parking lot, the same car did display a PA plate. Uh, then, uh, having known the movie, I, that makes perfect sense. I don't know if. 
That would have really helped. And me. then when Malcolm, and I, then actually I think I have the name in here. When Malcolm finishes the magic trick with the penny, now that might have given it away. Yeah, too. I think that would have helped. Um, so that uh, we're going on to the second Good one. Good job, bud. <clears throat> thank you, thank you, thank one you. clue. I am the. That'll be my nickname. Jeremy, one clue, Scott, because mm-hmm. I've done it bo- both times. I've been a you contestant. You have, you have. That's right. Second movie of 1999 for Barrett. During the basketball game, a player on the home team, number 11, by the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> commits a traveling violation by taking three or four steps without dribbling. Even though it looks like a cut and dry call, none of the referees stopped the game. <laughs> game is so awesome is it really <laughs> illustrates like for fans and for us it really illustrates the difference between what we do yes. and what the imdb groups are yes yes holy shit <laughs> hold on it's number 11 right it's number, number 11, 11. <laughs> that fucking traveling call <laughs> i'm watching american beauty and it's it's fucking Come whatever on, <laughs> i'll do one more please all right in the scenes where the family has dinner in the dining room there is no rug on the floor However, when the daughter walks into the dining room after a dance performance, there is a rug on the floor. I think I got it already, but, uh, oh, man. You got it in one, though. Let me just do some quick math. You've got five after this. If I do one more, I would have six, assuming that I have it right, which is a bad assumption. Um, I was thinking about making this after the first one. I'll do one more, please. When Angela meets Lester for the second time, her head is touching the corner of the wall. In the reverse angle of Lester, her head is away from the wall. It is American Beauty, which you said in the first in the first thing. I I, I had a, a feeling because that's the only people are going to think this is rigged, Barrett, because <laughs> you said American Beauty. It's funny. The first thing that came to my mind was that movie O. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> for some weird reason, Josh Hartnett—he was probably mm-hmm. number eleven. And then when you said American Beauty, I was like, "Wow, I don't even remember they actually showed any of the basketball game." No, yeah, because it's right before the the cheerleading the scene, yeah. and then uh, you know, obviously the dining room. I should have made that guess then, because what other movie in nineteen ninety nine has a basketball scene and a family in a dining room? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway so that's i believe uh, this was one that i was going to change names in fact i thought i did on one the last one was when lester black i was going to say the main character blackmails brad brad's fingers alternate between interlocked and overlap so far this is the easiest one that we've ever done so hopefully i made it harder in these next ones who knows so Fuck. but 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 you are still leading correct because you got two yeah, I am. I'm expecting this to come down to. Yeah, the time. The, I mean, the, the only time the questions come into play is when the uh, the number of clues come into play is if it's tied. Right. Yeah, and I'm expecting to miss at least one, and you. Well, I sure as fuck hope you do. <laughs> uh, I think after those first two rounds, I thought maybe this is too easy. So we'll 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 see. I don't know. I um, like it. Uh, first one, the year 2004. Great. Now I'm not working in theaters oh, at all at this point. Mm-hmm. This is going to be bad. Oh, foe. 2004. First clue. When the characters enter the hospital elevator on the main floor, it has a telescopic door. But at the third and fifth floors, the door opens centrally. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll take the second clue. Telescopic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Second clue. When Annie gets into the cab at the start, she gets in and sits on the left-hand side. Yet throughout the rest of the cab ride, she is on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. Annie? Annie, yep. Annie, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? She gets into the cab at the start? 
says gets into the cab at the start yes the hospital mm. and then annie gets in the cab at the start mm. i'm assuming that's this at the start of the movie that could be a bad assumption given the grammar of these goofs and there's also i don't know i actually don't know for real i may have changed that wording a little bit too i'm not sure but um 2004 hospital annie cab let me have another one <clears throat> third clue of this 2004 movie despite having a collapsible baton smashed against his wrists not only can this character still fire a handgun accurately at his target he never complains about what should have been one or two broken wrists ever again in the film <laughs> even when his hands and wrists are shown later there's no bruising bad asshole exactly oh he got he got a collapsible b- baton up in there oh man this is so fucking hard this is a fuck <laughs> i don't know 2004 i was like working at a grocery store was, uh, give me the fucking fourth clue when the two lapd officers pull max over the black officer is sporting a goatee for LAPD regulations, no <laughs> uniformed officers may have a goatee. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. So, what's his name? Max. Max gets pulled over by one black cop and one <clears throat> not black cop. Yes. That's black all we can tell from that. has an illegal goatee. Illegal goatee. LAPD would never allow this. They're the New York Yankees of police departments. They are. So somebody yeah. got in a cab. I guess they have cabs in L.A. I mean, I've ridden in them. Mm, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see somebody getting a cab, you think New York automatically. I do. I'm not smart like that. <laughs> this is L.A. And it's Annie in the hospital and a baton smashing that character's hand. And Max. Max. Max and Ruby? No, Max. Maximilian. No, Max. Shrek. No, Max. <laughs> Max. Weinberg. Annie and Max. Max and Annie. <laughs> no visible bruising on Susie wrists. and Elaine, Elaine and Susie. <laughs> Susie and Elaine. Ah, oh, fucking hell. 2004, I hate you. Bring my bring me my 2009. <laughs> I need it. Bad. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit, fuck. I don't know 2004 very well. This is very frustrating to me. <laughs> <coughs> And like last time, I'm going to get something that's five years off, probably. I hate you, Barrett. <laughs> I hate you, and I hate your ass face. Yeah. <laughs> this is one year before Batman Begins. I know that much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, if I could think of a single 2004 movie, I would guess something. I can't. I'll give up. Barrett, would you like to guess? Is it a good day to die hard? It is not. And I am I am very surprised this one did not get done. This, um, not not shaming you or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I I thought L.A. Cab and Max might even be too It much. should have. And it's collateral. Collateral. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Collateral. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a great one. Oh, I need to rewatch that movie. Yeah, yeah man, I do yeah. too. <laughs> that movie fucking rules. Yeah, it does. It, does. it really does. <laughs> What's funny is that heat came to mind. Yeah. Uh because I think his car- uh, De Niro's girlfriend's name is Annie or Anne something. Maybe not. Oh, it might be. But that's yeah. another Michael Mann movie. <clears throat> well, who is uh, who is Annie? Who plays Annie in that? Jada Pinkett. Jada Pinkett, because she's Jamie Foxx's wife, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. And then they get pulled over. Yeah, I need to watch. I don't that know movie if again. she's his wife. I think she's just some lawyer that 
uh, is about to go into a case and they get into a conversation and, uh, and, and it's sort of a thing that's starting at the, you know, at the beginning of this. And she, I don't know, gives him her, her number by the time it's done, gives her a card, gives him a card. Um, these are all good movies, by the way, listeners watch all of these movies, true lies, pulp fiction, the sixth sense, American beauty and collateral so far all aces mm -hmm. going on to the second movie of 2004 mm. barrett yes first clue the main characters toyota corolla alternates between different hubcap designs and different shots set on the same day <laughs> i hope he's not laughing because he knows it already <laughs> i actually have have a theory it's not, what is it? I, I'm working on a concept. What is the Annie Hall quote? Uh, it, it, for, right now, it's just a notion, but if I, uh, but I can turn it, I think I, right now it's just a notion, but now I can, I think if I get some money, I can turn it into a concept and then later an idea. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> Toyota Corolla, 2004, hubcaps are different. Okay, next one, please. Second clue. When a character is arranging an appointment on the phone for the fifth, they say, yes, that's a Wednesday. Presumably, this would be March 5th, which was a Friday in 2004, the year in which the film is set, but was a Wednesday in 2003, the year the film was shot. Next one, please. Third clue. Near the end of the film, when a character is walking around the corner with a box of belongings and cassettes, the man walking directly behind disappears for one shot. Belongings and cassettes. The fifth. Corolla. I go on and get the last I've one. had to do some very serious character change, the character <laughs> like hiding on this one. Uh, in the scene where a woman first comes into the main character's apartment, uh, two men have been drinking beer. At first, just before the door is open, they are both rolling rock. After she has entered, uh, his beer turns into a Labatt Blue. Interesting. Diana Corolla. I gotta admit, this becomes super hard when you take the names out. <laughs> I have an idea of what those names are. Let me review. Okay, so Toyota Corolla, the hubcaps. Mm -hmm. What was the second one again? You don't have to give it just uh, the gist. Arranging an appointment on the phone for the fifth. For the fifth. Okay, got an idea about that. What's the third one again? Uh, walking around a corner with a box of belongings and cassettes. Belongings and cassettes. Would that fit in? Oh, man, I don't think that would fit in. But then the last one, they're drinking Rolling Rocks. And then it's a Labatt's Blue. I'm going to guess Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Jeremy, would you like to steal? Well, I would love to. I don't fucking clue. Like, like I literally have the name, still the name still on this. And I was like, this is just going to fucking give it away. I mean, if it were Harold and Kumar, then that would have given it away. <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> 2004. The names are crucial. I don't know. Love and other drugs. Um, the answer. See now, if I start, let's let's start doing some names. These names aren't in the title, but okay. I have a feeling Barrett may know this movie enough that if I said the names, Joel's Toy Toyota Corolla. Okay, 
no. <laughs> when Mary is arranging an appointment on the phone for the fifth. Joel and Mary. Mary and Joel. <laughs> Near the end of the film, when Mary is walking around the corner with her box of belongings and cassettes. No, there's something about Mary. That was no, too early. I think so. It's funny, I don't name one of the biggest main characters. I don't have any trivia about the biggest main character, one of the other biggest main characters in here. Uh, in the scene where Mary first comes into Joel's apartment, Patrick and Stan had been drinking beer. So maybe maybe I should have given you the character name. No, um, Mary. I, don't, I still don't know it. I don't know. Okay, so, so even if I had given you the names, you wouldn't have. I don't think so. Um, it's eternal sunshine of the spotless. Mind. Ah, Joel, Mary, you fucking. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me think about this. Is that. this is a movie that is so like I feel like Barrett's seen it five hundred times. I have. I need uh, to be yeah. able to steal one of these, and I'm fucking it up. Uh, his Corolla, and she's moving out with the uh, the cassettes and everything. Um, and then there's a black police officer with the illegal goatee. That's right. That's no, right. That was a different movie, mm. Barrett. <laughs> that was the sixth. Test. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So, uh, wow, so, okay. so, uh, uh, no movement in the 2004. Oh, so what no. are we, what are we at here? Is it still two to one? It's two to one. Oh, yeah. Fuck this Going game. into round four. Oh, I got to steal. I got to steal. Got to protect my home. And then I got to steal. <laughs> Uh, 2009, first movie for Jeremy. First clue. When Mark first goes in yelling at his boss, his boss's pen appears and disappears between shots. Okay, hit me again. Second clue. When the shot of Tokyo is shown, there's a half-pipe coaster. This story takes place in 1992 to 1994. The coaster was built in 2005. Mm. Mm. give me that first clue again when mark first goes in yelling at his boss his pen, boss's pen appears and disappears between shots the informant it is the informant <laughs> <laughs> i was uh because of mark that's uh, i would have guessed that uh, maybe after the first it, one. the tokyo is what is what got me to go back to mark so you're all or fucking nothing together. man jesus fucking i guess Christ. i am i guess i am fucking it's still not gonna matter one, i tried clues. i tried i i i, I I felt like Mark was a common enough name. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I didn't say main character on that one. No. When it gets to Joel and Eternal Sunshine, I'm like, okay, that's too much. Well, and I cut a bunch of names, but I still gave you Sill yeah, for that Species, even, even though, well, because I'm stupid. But <clears throat> Hey, um, man. No, that's a, that's a good one. The other clues are the establishing shot for the first scene at Brian's office states that the office is in Springfield, Illinois. But shots to, of the door to the FBI to Brian's FBI field office says Decatur, Illinois, <laughs> where Mark's company is located. And then after the FBI's raid on Mark's company in 1995, Mark is sitting in a theater watching The Firm, which I think was a big clue, uh, yeah. uh, which is a film released two years prior to when the scene took place. What's his? Uh, it's Mark uh, um, Whitaker. Whitaker. Yeah, because it's mark watney and then it's mark and Ness. i think yeah. it's i think this the goof said whitaker which i thought gave it we really gave it away yeah. uh so i changed it to mark thinking ah that might be enough to throw you off but uh apparently not where are we at we at two two now two to two, two, two. two he's got two shots left he needs to fuck one of them up right now all right second movie in the 2009 category first clue the female leads car in scenes while driving the car has dark diamond style cloth slash vinyl seats but in scenes where you see the whole car or it is parked 
The seats are all light brown with no diamond-like pattern. All right. Is a, is a, is a lady? She's a lady. He's a lady. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. She's, she's a, a lady. She's a femme. I don't know if she's a femme for tall, mm-hmm. but she she has she has seats with many leather bound books. Mm, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Next one, please. All right. Second clue. When James and his friend are driving in New York, James smiles and looks out the car window. If you look above the car, you can see an advertisement for Sunny with a Chance, a Disney show which wasn't even made until 2009. Sunny with a Chance, the Selena Gomez vehicle? I don't know. Okay, James and the female character, she's got, she's got, her, she's got her cloth seats. She does. The diamond, diamond cloth, it's 2009. You got James looking out. Saying, hey, there's Sonny with a chance. It's Sonny out there with a chance. Next one, please. Third clue. When Bobby is calling the horse race, all the horses are still at the start and none of them are moving. Bobby's calling the horse race. They're not doing shit. Okay, so it's, it takes place in or around 2009. 2009 movie. On a second one... You said Sonny with the Chance debuted in 2009. Yes, it's, which was not it was wasn't even made until 2009. Wasn't even made until 2009. Okay, next one, please. Last clue: When James bumps into the tree, at first the front of his glasses is broken, but in the next scene, when his mother wakes him up, the glass is in perfect shape. <sighs> bumps into the tree. It's my girl. Yeah, yeah. My girl seven. Yeah. <laughs> girl harder. That's right. Bumping into the tree. He's got a car. Got a horse race. He's calling the horse race. James is his mom wakes him up the next day. Da, da, da. This is gonna be a guess, so you probably will uh at least pull even if not overtake me. Uh, I don't know it. <clears throat> um give me a two thousand nine fucking movie. <laughs> up in the air. I don't know. Jeremy, for the steal. I would like to hear the clues again, please, if I may. First clue, the female leads car in scenes while driving the car has dark diamond style, dark diamond style cloth and vinyl, sleep, vinyl seats. But in scenes where you see the whole car or it's parked, the seats are all light brown with no diamond like pattern. Second clue is when James and his friend are driving in New York, James smiles and looks out the car window. If you look above the car, you can see an advertisement or an advertisement for Sonny with a Chance, a Disney show which wasn't even made until 2009. Uh, the third clue, when Bobby is calling the horse race, all of the horses are still at the start and none of them are moving. Fourth clue, when James bumps into the tree, at first the front of his glasses is broken, but in the next scene when his mother wakes him up, the glass is in perfect shape. I love how much you agonize. <laughs> it's so it's so much harder than it looks, right? I think this is wrong. So no, it couldn't be that because that's a period piece. Fuck. Modern New York, James, you dick. Yeah, he really is a uh, cockwad. James, and if if movie. I if I step, I'm going to step in here because you guys are confused about something in here that I that. Makes me think that the clue has led you astray. This movie is a period piece. Oh, 
Well, now I have two guesses. Well, I mean, I've, uh, I've well, shot my... Um, I'm going to guess the wrong one. Adventureland. Adventureland is correct. <sighs> oh, wow. Look at you. I think, Pulling ahead. I think Bobby got, calling the horse race is what actually gave that to me. Yeah, somehow. I thought I, when you guys were both hanging on that uh, 2009 thing, the, it says a Disney show which wasn't even made yeah. until 2009, which should tell you that it's at least before 2009 but it mm. but you guys were you know we're going through this whole thing that it couldn't be a period piece yeah that was i read, I read it the opposite way of what you intended there and i was thinking adventureland before you said that so mm. and my other wildly inappropriate guess was great gatsby no oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great gatsby. yeah uh on to 2014 final round where are we at now barrett we are at three to two jeremiah all right all right, this should be exciting. This should be exciting. That's right. Uh, 2014, first movie, first clue. When the main characters enter New Jersey, they are clearly driving across a landlocked border. Since they were driving north from Washington, D.C., they would have entered in New Jersey from Pennsylvania or Delaware. Both states are only accessible to New Jersey by crossing the Delaware River. New Jersey's only landlocked border is on the northernmost region of the state, crossing out of and into New York State. All right, give me another one. Second clue. There's a sweat stain on Wilson's shirt after he finishes jogging. As he lies against the tree, the stain around his around the neck area and some of it and some of it is part way down his shirt. When someone helps him up, the stain has reduced to just sweat around his neck. Okay, hit me again. Third clue. In the car chase scene, there are multiple shots where there are no bullet holes visible on the car or car window. In the following shots, you can see them in the car window. Of course you can. And this is one that I had the name, but then I was like, oh my God, I think this just throws it. All right, I want the fourth clue. Fourth clue. When the algorithm is deployed and begins acquiring targets, the targeting grid is seen. On the right, just above the pictures of the targets, there is a line indicating targets acquired. Then the shot cuts to the guns and then back to the counter indicating the amount of targets acquired from 210,000 and up. The next cut shows in the target squared line, 133,000 and up. And also, the grids have the same pictures, but in different order. All right, give me the, all of them again. Okay. Uh, first one is, when the main characters enter New Jersey, they're clearly driving across a landlocked border. And you then, can skip the rest of that. Then explains all the reasons why. <laughs> there is a sweat stain on Wilson's shirt after he finishes jogging. As he lies against a tree, the stain is around the neck area, and some of it is partway down his shirt. When someone helps him up, the stain is reduced to just sweat around his neck. Third one is in the car chase scene. There are multiple shots where there are no bullet holes visible on the car or car window. In the following shots, you can see them in the car window. And then when the algorithm is deployed and begins acquiring targets, the targeting grid is seen. On the right, just above the pictures of the targets, there's a line indicating targets acquired. Uh, is it Winter Soldier? Yeah. It's Winter Soldier. <sighs> Had to get that one, didn't you? <laughs> i almost didn't honestly it was the algorithm and the targeting guns and then i that's what made uh, me go back to wilson and that's what made me realize it might have been his last name and not his first. that's that's your ball game i'm gonna play for pride i thought uh i might be able to uh i have uh, a feeling that if you out. yeah if if you don't get this and then he's definitely gonna get it this one i think might have i don't know we'll see <laughs> But we'll go. We'll go through this. This is Barrett's sort of uh, um, participation trophy question. That's right. um, second movie of two thousand 
14 uh, first clue the newer model dodge truck driven through the movie has rust on the chrome plastic trim around the radiator grill rust can only possibly form on metal such as large chrome bumpers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2014 i got an idea okay Ooh. uh murphy's law is anything that can go wrong will go wrong and not anything that can happen will happen interstellar it's interstellar yeah wow wow <clears throat> yeah i thought I, I was gonna take a stab at that uh, first one what were the uh, other two clues because i wasn't there yet the rocket launching from the underground facility was portrayed as a three-stage saturn V booster the rings of office windows and the silo would have been blown out on launch nice uh and then uh yeah and so forth and then when getty is at the house to check on the main character's lungs he notices lois coughing when he asks her how long she's had her cough, she replies off camera, a while. However, uh, her reflection can be seen in the rin- window behind Getty. And as she says, a while, her reflection instead shows her coughing into her arm. Oh, that Topher. That coffer, that coughing one would have gotten me. Uh, uh, but I can't well, believe you had of, it at the truck. Yeah, as of last time, as with last time, only lost by one. And uh, you had one less clue uh, than I did. Um, well, you got that one on the second one right there. That's yeah, made up the yeah. ground on the clues. Right have, but, uh, no, I feel good that I've only lost these by one. I've never been a good judge of how hard something is when it's like uh, the these kind of, kind of questions. I used to do that trivia stuff when we were all going to trivia. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll be like, is this a two-point thing? Or is this a... <laughs> yeah. Is this a and 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 uh, you know? I remember some just seemed too hard for the round. Some are too easy for the round. I don't know. This one seems like it might be the easiest one we've done so far. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I you know, Adventureland for sure uh, tripped me up. I should have gotten Eternal Sunshine, but those were also kind of oblique clues. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have gotten that as many times as I've seen it, but uh, yeah. And Collateral was a great one because. You know anything mentioning a cab in 2004? I guess we should have gotten. I but. think I think the I think the issue with mine, as far as easy is concerned, is that these are very visible movies. Whereas, I think you guys did a pretty good job of coming up with movies that were maybe just underneath that mm. uh, that that level. And I think that's the reason why I think I like I like the previous two better than this one that we just did. <laughs> uh, you didn't do something like <laughs> Nick of Time for fuck's sake. Yeah. Hey, listen. <laughs> Nick of Time was a good movie. It was Johnny Depp's first non-emo role. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Are you being facetious or do you actually like that movie? Uh, I like the movie. I'm being facetious that it's awesome. Uh, it's a gimmick, and, and it falls victim to its gimmick in that it's set in real time. It yeah. takes place in real time, and so it has... It has to do a lot of hokey shit. It does. It to does. make that happen. But I remember when the movie came out, what I was most excited about was, here's one of my favorite actors yeah. who's playing a normal person for once. It's the only, maybe his only normal I'm role telling you, ever. I'm telling you. After He's this, a fucking suit. He was like, I, gotta, I can't do that anymore. I didn't like that. But I was, well, like, he I was, was in the it. astronaut's wife. He's a normal guy, I guess. Normal-ish, I guess. But he's he's also a fucking dick. I forgot about that movie. (laughs) Isn't that Charlize? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's some sexy That's basically the plot of Species 2. Yeah, it it really is. It really is. Like, he goes to space, gets alienated, comes back, and inseminates his wife with alien goo. And her name (laughs) is Syl. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's different. But everything else is the same between those two movies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is that thing in the trailer where he's like, we gonna go, Joe? 
Where you gonna go? <laughs> Whatever the hell he says. So next time, I guess we'll be back to Barrett being Quizmaster. That's yeah. right, baby. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this. Hope you guys did good, great job, Chris. You think so? I don't oh, know. I think you did a great. I feel job. like I feel like it's awesome. bad. You guys got it. You guys got several of them before we even got through the full. Well, you have yeah. to. You have to account for how smart I am. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but I feel like I feel like people are when when they when they like this game they like the fact that it can it usually goes down to the last clue before anybody even has a guess but here you guys were like interstellar and uh <laughs> you know and so i think the movies that i picked were too popular uh were, i like it man one was one reason and then um which one did i get on one clue uh that was the sixth sense yeah oh yeah because i remember the antiquities oh Cock. <laughs> I was hoping. Did you know Winter Soldier the whole time? Uh, no, actually, when he, I, I, I was not thinking. I was. Tr- I thought it was a first name Wilson. Yeah, I, I wasn't thinking that at all until it became the algorithm and the gun targeting system, and I yeah. remembered that fucking plot point yeah. from that movie, yeah. and it all just clicked in after that. And it's uh, is it all of them driving to New Jersey to meet up with? With Chica, or is that him and ScarJo? I think Scar that's Joe? just him and ScarJo going, because that's the, the Zola thing. I think that's... Uh, in the oh, fact that's that, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what the, the goof actually says Zola's algorithm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everything is legal in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did I guess the fucking... Harold and Kumar. Oh, it was Eternal Sunshine. <laughs> that was not a bad guess. You see, it was just... the right year at least, and there was two people, and they drank a lot of beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you guys are soured on this uh, because of my questions, please don't. Jeremy and Barrett are much better at it than I am. So. I thought this was a lot no, of fun. I thought you did great. Yep. <clears throat> you did great. It's great. Yeah, great. It's mm-hmm. great. Uh, so uh, we got some time. Do we want to do some recommends and warns? Oh, yeah, hollow. let's do it. Totes amaze balls. There right. It hey. won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Can I go first? Yeah, yeah. go for it. Uh, I have I have a, a weird thing about this, and I'll try not to go too long. But this is my. Just like 1999 movies were our wheelhouse, you know, the, the Sixth Sense. I could have gotten maybe American Beauty after the first uh, one. Uh, 1999 was when I was uh, 19 to 20, and I was consuming everything in that, in that period, which is a great time. It was a great time for pop culture. It was a great time for movies, and it was an interesting time for music. So when HBO Max came out with this movie produced by Bill Simmons of The Ringer and previously Grantland and ESPN uh, called Peace, Love, and Rage, Woodstock 99. Mm. I was like, yeah, (laughs) shove it up my dick hole. This is my shit. (laughs) All right. All right. It doesn't. Whatever. (laughs) Um, This is this is right in in my belly button. Mm hmm. Woodstock 99, for you people that, that aren't familiar, was a gimmicky sort of thing uh, where they put on a music fest in 1999 on the 30th anniversary of the original Woodstock. The original Woodstock, of course, had Jimi Hendrix playing the Star Spangled Banner. It had uh, Joe Cocker doing his, with a little help from my friends. It had <laughs> Santana. It had all, you know, peace, love, and, and, and fucking freedom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Woodstock 99 was known 
as being a big old clusterfuck yes, of was. destruction, fire, assaults, uh, and agro new metal acts. At least that's how it's been portrayed over the years. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, when I say I lived through this, meaning I, I watched, I think I bought the pay-per-view. It was on pay-per-view. Um, oh, well, I didn't even remember that. It was on pay-per-view, and then MTV covered it pretty much 24 hours a day. They would still play, this is back when MTV played videos, uh, they would still play their video blocks, but then they would cut to live footage. So I saw a lot of these performances firsthand. Same thing with Woodstock 94, but that's a whole different story. This documentary is just like every other documentary that you've seen. Someone staring off camera, not at the camera, off camera, being very serious and, <laughs> and, and very, here's what the, the issue of the time was. And they show footage of the festival, talking head. Footage of the festival, talking head. Background on culture. We're all concerned about Y2K. <laughs> Back to talking heads. You joke, but we were... We were very concerned about Y2K. Indeed. In fact, to you the, were? To, <laughs> yeah. Everybody I knew, I'm not saying I was like burying mason jars and shit. I'm just yeah. saying we didn't know it was going to happen. I was, I was under the impression it was under control yeah. by the time New Year's Eve started. However, I remember I was enough wondering if something would happen that when I saw the ball drop in New York, and I saw the the camera angles of certain things. I was like, "Holy shit! Did something just happen?" Because it it really literally looked like something something was happening mm-hmm. at first, but it was just normal New York celebration. It was mm-hmm. my mind playing tricks on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, normally this is right up my alley. Uh, it one of the the main people behind it is a music critic named Stephen Hyden, uh, who has exhaustively researched this whole event. Uh, he did a, a multi episode podcast on it and he's one of the main talking heads the the main thing is limp biscuit corn rage against the machine red hot chili peppers they're all kind of grouped together like this is where white dudes in their early 20s late teens went to get aggression out oh metallica is looped in there too mm-hmm. instead of a peace love and everything so whole held on a abandoned air force base and it was super hot because they couldn't they couldn't get the land from the original place, right? It was too expensive. They they moved it. Uh, it was in Woodstock, obviously in the in the first one. Then it was in Rome. Or no, it was in uh, somewhere else in in lower uh, uh, downstate New York ah. uh, for the ninety four. And then this was in Rome, New York, which is like mid state New York. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the problem with the documentary. Now, I want to preface this by saying sexual assaults against women happened may have been even underreported i think there were like five or six that were reported uh but there were reportedly from anecdotally many many more now that is the most hideous part of this entire thing so i do not want to make any commentary on that other than it's vile that is is the worst thing that happened this whole time Every other thing about this this documentary is is like it was a recipe for disaster. <laughs> <laughs> these white guys were getting together and moshing, and like these young dudes were doing this Mosh and Y two K was coming. <laughs> and then we woke up the next day. Everybody was hot. Everybody was tired. 
Everybody was angry. <laughs> it's the most overwrought documentary that I've ever seen. Wow. Like, here, here's, here's the main crux of it. Okay. So the, the urban legend is that Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit fame was partially, if not mostly, to blame for the tilting point of where the crowd went crazy. I'll buy that. I don't like the guy. I'm willing to blame him for most anything. Okay, now I'm not. Barry Limp Biscuit came out and did their show. They, apparently, the 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 party planners, <laughs> the, yeah. the, the 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 guys, the showrunners, whatever the fuck they are, came out and were like, "Fred, you got to calm these people down." And you know what Fred did? He didn't calm those people down. He riled them up more. <laughs> he riled them up more. He played nookie. Yep. And and like you look out and you see all these people jumping around and you're like. What is he supposed to do? Anyway, okay. Then, the last night, Red Hot Chili Peppers play, right? Flea's in the nude. You can see his donger in, uh, in this. <laughs> that's He's great. all flopping around well, everywhere. Well, that's the selling point for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and that's the last night is when they started setting the fires. Uh, the fires were set because people got sick of whatever, reportedly got sick of overpaying for shit, so they started ripping down shit and setting it on fire. And uh, they were like, oh, this is... The, the the showrunners were like, oh no, this is this is bad, and so they go to Anthony Kiedis and they're like, Anthony, you got to calm these people down. <laughs> <laughs> and what do they do? They launch into Jimi Hendrix's Fire. Oh no, which they play spectacularly. Doom, by doom, the way, doom, doom, um, two things about this that I do. Yeah, all that aside, two things about this. First of all, what's a what's a rock band supposed to do? You tell them to do something. A rock band is probably going to do the opposite. Well, that's definitely the case. Now, I think that I think. How many people were there, though? Uh, the estimates were like three to 400,000. Okay, then, yeah, nobody with one mic is going to calm anybody down in that situation. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if you're in the middle of a high-energy show. There is one time where uh, Dexter, what's his name, from the, uh, uh, the Offspring, um, comes out and he says, Hey, guys, I noticed there's a lot of guys groping girls out there. Do not do that. If you're a woman and you see a guy doing that, kick him in the fucking balls. Mm. That was right at the beginning of their set. And I thought that was appropriate. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. But like, and Fred Durst could have said that, I guess. Anthony Kiedis could have said that. Uh, but Would it have stopped anybody? Look, I, I don't know if it would or not. I have weirdness about like the role that a performer has on controlling their audience. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of times, there, there have been several times where I've been to a show and the band would stop and they would point out somebody being like, hey, man, you're acting like an asshole. Meanwhile, 99.9% of the crowd has no idea what this person is doing. Yeah. And they probably are being an asshole, but it's like, get security on it. Anyway, the last thing I'll say about this, I, the more I think about this documentary, the more I hated it. <laughs> you remember the, the, the Britney Spears documentary? I do. Where all these people are all sanctimonious about, oh, man, if we had just... If if you had treated Britney better yep. back in those days, mm -hmm. think of how her life would have been. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, those people back in 1998, 99, 2000 were the same fucking people that were contributing to her mental breakdown. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. Everybody's on there like, man, it was a recipe for disaster. You get people together and it's hot and you got aggro music. What do you think was going to happen? <laughs> and these are the same goddamn people. They're my fucking age. So I bet your ass... 
they were either cheering that shit on or like, you know, at least marveling at the number of people and shit like that. And now that they're in their late 30s, early 40s, they're like, God, it was just such a terrible thing. Okay. Yeah. And, exactly and that, that annoys is. the fuck out of me. The second thing and the last thing is that the and we got back and forth uh, with Aaron Dicer about this on uh, on Slack. Another sanctimonious thing that most of the talking heads were saying is that it's crazy how the the camera operators would only focus on the women that were topless or that had no clothes on. Then the footage goes to all the women <laughs> that have their tops off or no clothes on. Right. And it's not just once. They mentioned it again, like all these women are walking around naked. Then they cut to footage of all these women Jesus. walking around naked. Mm. I'm like, what are we trying to do here? Mm. Like, are we trying to call these these uh, cameras out mm. for doing this? But th- the main thing about this fucking documentary is that it went in. You could tell there was a pitch meeting and they were like, we got to have angles for this. What are our angles for this? It's not a documentary. This is worse than... You know, what we've talked about with The Loneliest Whale or like, uh, you know, any other interview, even framing Britney Spears where you can hear the interviewer off off uh, camera and all that stuff. Like, yes, they, they do influence things, but I didn't feel like Loneliest Whale had an angle. I don't think they went into that saying, here's our angle. They went into it trying to do something. These people had angles. They were like, all right, I want to hit this and I want to hit it from this way. I want to make sure that we call this person out for doing this and that kind of thing. And fuck a bunch of that, man. Mm. Just tell me mm. what happened uh, from you – know, there were attendees that do a testimonial. I've talked way too much about this. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> there were attendees that do testimonials. I want more of that. I want anything positive, by the way. There were terrific – I watched this live. There were terrific performances there. God I'm so annoyed by this fucking... I hate angles in documentaries. Clear angles. Just give him one straight fucking line. God damn it. Yeah. No bends or angles. So this is this is obviously a worn... Well, I was thinking amend. it was like a wrecker. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I would say a worn amend. If you're interested in that subject, like I very much am, uh, you should probably watch it. I understand why they did it. I understand the the it's slickly produced and everything, but... Their heads are up their asses. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. That was that was that was exciting. That was an exciting <coughs> Warren of Man. This certainly was a, a lot. This this Warren is is uh, is is titled "Fuck Your Stupid Asses." Fuck your stupid Fuck. asses. Fuck you and your stupid fucking asses. Yes, so Chris, you are the ones who are the ball lickers. The ball lickers. Do you want to go with me? I'll go. Um, I'm going to wreck a Warren, a movie that uh, when all of us were growing up. All we ever heard was how it was the worst movie ever made, or it was the worst bomb ever made, or whatever. Oh. Now, I, um, I, I watched this movie back in the nineties. Oh, it's my Dish, favorite. Dishtar. Movie. Yeah, I love this movie. Nice. I love this movie. Uh, so in our movie night thing, uh, the two movies that were chosen were based on legends who made movies that bombed. No. So Elaine May made Ishtar, and uh, we also watched um, Francis Ford Coppola's One from the Heart, which I had already seen as well. Mm, saw, that, saw that back in the movie uh, when we we did a we did a movie back in the day. Movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, watching it a second time, more appreciation for yeah. it. Great soundtrack too. Yeah, uh, but Ishtar, it, it's it's Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman when they have just hit fifty or about to hit fifty in their careers. They are wannabe musicians. Uh, 
and uh they just kind of happen to meet each other at some point and they want to write songs together and they have this this agent man writers really must hate agents man <laughs> like you ever notice like they're like they always depict agents as these sad you know smoking cigarettes in their <laughs> office and they're you know they're there, there's a lot of they, a lot of people must have been hurt by agents over the careers to have this minute, minute thing but their agent is like getting the, i mean honestly this is the only agent they could ever get probably and this is also uh the agent getting them anything is a miracle yeah they're terrible they are awful yeah. and uh and uh they he gets them this gig that is in ishtar of was it uh saudi arabia or it's iran uh, I'm not sure if they even named the country. They, I thought they did, but they might. Okay, it doesn't look like it's a place, so I think it's a fictional place. It's next to Morocco, apparently. There, it's it's set in the uh, yeah, and so Morocco. it's it's a it's either it's either a fictional place near Morocco or in Morocco or something like that. Finds them a place to do that, and basically, it's it's going to be performing for uh, old people. Uh, and that's probably the best part. The best part of this movie is when they, when Dustin Hoffman, uh, when uh, Warren Beatty first is trying to entertain all these old people, and, he, and he's like, "I've got a lot of, I got a lot of songs like from uh, was it? He's he's trying to do, he's he only has one guy he likes to do. It's like Paul Simon or somebody like that. It's like I got Bridge Over Troubled Water and yeah, all that, something like that. And these people mm-hmm. keep on name like yelling out all these 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 uh, requests. And he's like, "But I got Paul Simon here." <laughs> and he just came, and everybody's like, "That's Amore!" And blah 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 blah. <laughs> and then uh, Dustin Hoffman comes strolling in and he's like, "When the moon <laughs> I like a bit," and so it becomes a whole bunch of things where these people aren't looking for the best artist ever they're just looking they want to sing these songs but uh in the middle of all this uh isabella johnny you may uh, remember some isabella johnny Mm -hmm. stuff back in the day she was in uh, the remake the horrible remake of um diabolique oh Uh, that was a terrible remake yeah Re- the the original Diabolique is awesome. Mm-hmm. The new one with her and Sharon Stone are awful. Uh, but uh, Isabella Johnny, who she she and she and Warren Beatty were dating at the time. Oh wow! Um, and Warren Beatty got around, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. She uh, goes to Dustin Hoffman and says, "I you know uh, I've got this. Uh, it's like a map, or it's a uh, it's something that's going to change." Um, arabic society forever and there's some people who don't want it to to get out into the open uh and so she approaches him and she he starts doing secret stuff behind warren Beatty's back and warren Beatty thinks that there's something going on that you know he should know about and then he gets involved in this and then they dustin hoffman has a um has a handler played by charles groden who's great mm, in this movie yeah, charles groden is awesome in this Charles Grodin is the uh, the whatever the liaison or the the head government guy or whatever who's like you know uh, working with the government and trying to trying to get everybody what the, trying to balance everything while it's going on and finally the guy who uh, the the sheik or whoever it is is like I want those guys dead I don't care if they're really part of this or not and so <laughs> so Warren Beatty and, and and Dustin Hoffman are being chased by these guys and they're going to be. And they're trying to, ma- and the they need the help. The, this guy, I'm making this movie really confusing, and the movie is kind of confusing, <laughs> in a way. Um, uh, but there's all this, there's all this stuff where you know that 
he the the sheik needs the the u.s government to do it so it doesn't look like he's done it and he needs to make it look like it's an accident <laughs> and all that there's all this all that kind of stuff going on but anyway this movie is not great obviously it's a movie that at warren Beatty and dustin hoffman you have all these stars and everything people expected a lot mm-hmm. from it and it was a huge bomb and so you got the idea that this movie is just absolutely terrible and it's not terrible no, it's just I think people were expecting a laugh out loud comedy, but most of the comedy in this movie is a lot more subtle. Like like that quote I did when we were looking something up where they're they're literally walking through the desert and one of them looks up and goes, "It's going to be a scorcher." <laughs> like that's funny to me, but it's not apparently humorous to America at large. Yeah. I love the bit in the beginning when they're writing that song, "Telling the truth can be mm. dangerous business." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you admit that you can play the accordion, mm. no one will hire you in a rock and roll band. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, their songs are terrible, but they they they're so enthusiastic. They're sitting at the piano together, and he's like telling the truth. Telling the truth can be dangerous. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They're so fucking enthusiastic about this song they're writing. Uh, Josh Child turned me onto this movie in mm. college um, because he likes that humor, that that goofy. It's just a mistaken identity fish out of water kind of thing it's and just you the, really like this movie i really like this movie yeah I, I would not say it's great like chris is saying it has this reputation um because it lost so much money that there was no quality there when there is quality there it's not great but i really like it. is that why it's considered such a bomb is because it was expensive or because of the star power involved i think it's a mix, a, a mix. there's a, there's some legendary stories from all of this uh, the making of this and everything uh, first off you're talking about the songs elaine may wrote the songs with a guy who did muppet stuff oh, oh that makes sense um uh the uh there's a section with a blind camel in this yes <laughs> Uh, where they have to find this blind camel, and then the uh, you know this uh, the person selling on the blind camel gives them some information, gives Dustin Hoffman some information, uh, and then and when Dustin Hoffman's starting to trying to you know carry this thing this blind camel around, it's like stepping on of course everything. Charles Charles Grodin comes in, tries to talk to him, camel stomps on Charles Grodin, <laughs> uh, but uh the story about the camel is that they they wanted to find a, a camel with like blue eyes or something like that that would or or i don't know maybe find an actual blind camel hmm. so they they the first day that this guy goes to look for a blind camel this is the actual making of the movie uh he's like oh well there must be a bunch of these so i won't bother uh buying this camel right away we'll go around and shop and see if we can find something for cheaper and everything and uh, then they found out, oh, these are pretty rare. So we went back to the guy to get the blind camel, and the guy had eaten the camel. Oh! Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yes. wow. Oh, delicious. Oh, my God. Oh, the humps are the best part. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Coca-Cola, owned, Coca-Cola owned Sony at this point. Really? And uh, the, they made this decision... They had they had some money that they couldn't get back into America, still in Morocco or something. <laughs> so they said, "Let's make this movie actually in the desert and everything." So it was it ran up the cost ridiculously, uh, a r- ridiculous amount hmm. Uh, hmm. to make this movie in the actual freaking Moroccan desert. Wow! Uh, so there, and there's a lot. There's just a, like look at the just look at the trivia on this movie and huh. all the different stuff that goes on in it. And, 
uh it's it's actually more interesting than the movie itself the movie is like i said it's a wreck of worn you're not gonna get the best thing in the world out of it but it's it's fun i'll give it a shot man i love me some warren Beatty. i love me some hoffman this is uh mid 80s late 80s yeah 87 87 mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. warren mm-hmm. Beatty, man Oof. Oof. had a run he did he did bradley he? cooper type of run yeah probably his, even his more dick even fucked some people he didn't <laughs> yeah he was asleep yeah yeah <laughs> he was he was he had to be asleep because yeah. he's got it because he's fucking everybody but his dick was like no i'm not done mm-hmm. that's right so it got up it's my time to over. shine it's my time to shine <laughs> walked over to a wandering vagina a wandering <laughs> vagina yes they just kind of hooked up and mm-hmm. here it is i uh i really like dakota johnson mm-hmm. i do too mm-hmm. um and She's been more in more movies than I realized. This is the second time I have been flipping channels and found a recent movie with Dakota Johnson that I'd never heard of. Mm. Uh, the previous one was How to Be a Girlfriend, How to Lose a Girlfriend, How to oh, Be Single. I, I know what you're talking single. about. I've seen this movie. Um, uh, that British girl from the yeah, Rebel movie. Wilson. Rebel Wilson. She's in it. Uh, anyway, so this movie is called The High Note. Uh, it was made a few years ago. And... Had you, had you have heard of had you heard of this no yeah, no i haven't either i've seen it and i've still never heard of it <laughs> um she's playing a personal assistant to a pop star who's just turned 40 uh-huh. and the pop star is fretting about like there's only been three women who ever sold x number of albums after age 40 and they were all white yeah, something is what yeah. she said. This is a black woman. Um, Dakota Johnson, though, even though she's already she's personal assistant to what I would have to assume is somebody like Adele is the way it's sort of played, mm. uh, or Whitney Houston back before she was right when she turned forty. I think that's a pretty good life. Yeah, she would rather produce. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So she shares an idea in the studio. That pisses Ice Cube off because he's the producer. <laughs> yeah, man, listen, and, and, you do not want to piss Ice Cube. No, off. even fictionally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Ice Cube's all mad, but then the pop star's like, "Let's listen to her version." Right. And they listen to her version, which is much more stripped down. Don't need that auto tune. Yeah. Just let her voice show. And guess what? The pop star loves it that way. Uh-huh. So now Dakota Johnson is, she's, I'm going to tell you this whole movie, by the way. Sure. <laughs> uh, she's got some confidence now. And she ran, she meets cute with this guy mm-hmm. who has like a John Legend-esque voice. Oh. And she's all like, I would produce your record if you wanted to if you wanted to work on the record. And he lives in a fancy house. He's got tons of money. She even says at one point, you're not doing this for the money. Um, you're, you're doing this for the music. That's why I want to work with you, because you mm. really care about this. They start working together. Everything's honky-dory-ish. But then there's this big showcase for the pop star coming. Right? Mm. She's got a new album coming. And the pop star says, I can't have no opener at my album showcase. I've got to have an opener. You mm-hmm. get me an opening band that's that's awesome, but not better than me. <laughs> and Dakota Johnson's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my protege. Yeah. I'm going to have him open for her. But I'm not going to tell anyone, even him or her, until the night of the album showcase. Dude shows up. She's like, you're opening for this pop star. And he runs away. Oh. Which kind of makes sense because he didn't know he was opening for a pop star so then because there's no opening act 
Dakota Johnson gets humiliated and fired on the spot. Oh. She moves back home, in with her parents, a couple states away. This part feels like La La Land. Uh-huh. And then she calls the guy singer and apologizes via voicemail. And then the pop star shows up at her house. And the pop star's had a change of heart. Okay. You really were a good assistant. I fired you out of anger. Come back into my life and be my assistant again. You don't, you don't know the names or actors that I play could, these. Uh, these the, the pop star right? actress I recognized, but nobody else. Okay. It's Ice Cube. Yeah, um, right. So then at the end, this, they're going to have the big showcase for the dude, the dude singer. Uh huh. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you find out he is the pop star's son. Yeah. The look on your face right now is exactly the look I had when I was watching this movie. Okay. Contrivance on top of contrivance. <laughs> on to- and then mom comes out, pop star, and they do a duet. And D- Dakota Johnson's like, I had no idea. <laughs> and the movie ends. Oh, my God. It's called The High Note, and I recommend you stay away from it. Nice. <clears throat> that sounds awful. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Good all production right. values. All right. All right. All right. We, we got to... We got to maybe do an intervention with Dakota. I don't know because she'll do something like that, and then she'll do Peanut Butter Falcon, which is great. Oh, and, and Suspiria. She, she I mean, maybe she's showing the one to get, to get her her name and her yeah, money, yeah, and yeah, now yeah, she yeah. can pick and choose. Yeah, and they're just not all going to be. I think that How to Be Single movie was okay enough. It wasn't like a big. It wasn't didn't make me laugh a ton, but it was fine. Okay. She's she's got so much charm. She does. It, goes, it can cover a multitude of sins. Um, but I do wonder, what was she thinking? She's like, oh, now I got to do my personal assistant wants to be a producer movie. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my next. That's my next. That's what, that's what Jay Law did after she got you know, her Oscar. She went, she made oh, by, by the way, because we get called out on this uh, every once in a while, Rebel Wilson is Australian. Not same Br- thing not british same fucking thing <laughs> it's right. like uh dr house when he's like you put the queen on your money you're, you're british <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that line so obviously she was great in social network but a very bit role yep um beastly not good um 21 jump street she was you know in there for a hot minute yep uh need for speed she didn't really have much going on she's just getting revved up uh 50 speed. shades of gray chloe and theo Black Mass, eh, How to Be Single, Fifty Shades, all the two of those, and then of course you've got the one-two punch of Suspiria and Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh-huh. Um, but then you got Wounds, and you got Peanut Butter Falcon, but then you got the High Note. Like uh, she's the only watchable thing about the Fifty Shades movies. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. She, how in the world does someone like? Pull out like an actual good performance out of that fucking oh no man! But even Jamie Dornan looks awful in that movie. Mm. But he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. I've seen he him is. be good. Yeah, it's so weird how Twilight and Fifty Shades are just irre- irrevocably tied together. <laughs> in that they both had stars who were much better actors than we knew at the time, who went on to do better stuff. But also, Fifty Shades is literally Twilight. Yeah, with no vampires, <laughs> some whips. <laughs> Some butt clamps. I, Is our butt clamps a thing? Uh, Nipple clamps. I feel butt like plugs. butt clamps should be a thing. <laughs> so you squeeze the cheeks together? Nipple plugs <laughs> and butt clamps. <laughs> hey, honey, I'm feeling frisky. Let's bring out the butt clamps tonight. <laughs> it's like a 
advice for your ass. <laughs> like, ah, yeah, tighter, oh, tighter. Oh my god. Uh, so one more recommend or warn. Okay, you guys go. I don't. I don't know if I have one. All okay, right. I have a quick one. Uh, if you have 4K stuff, 4K uh, Blu-ray player mm-hmm. or 4K TV and all that. Uh, pick up Lord of the Rings trilogy. Ooh. I I popped it in. I was like, oh, that guy, I've seen some uh, 4Ks that are like like just transcendent or whatever. But most of the time, it's like, okay, well, that looks better. Yeah, and that's that's about it. Lord of the Rings <laughs> in 4K is glorious. <laughs> I, I is it I'm, the four I'm, hour? I'm version? getting a wreck just thinking about um, it. Um, I I did uh I I did start watching the extended editions the theatrical versions are in the in this box um uh the the only negative to all that is that the uh extended editions do not fit on one disc that's how oh really wow so it so i mean they they break them in pretty good spots uh you know like uh in the first one it's uh what is it the first one? Oh, the fellowship of the ring you oh, know and nice. and uh oh where are we going and all that and uh, that's where it cuts it but um uh no credits so yeah i i looked at i was when you watch the when you watch these things it's just like it's just amazing how much better it looks than it ever has uh the 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 scene with tree beard and and uh you know pippin and and um and uh dominic monahan's mm-hmm. name whatever he is maddie and mary. mary mary uh there are some scenes in there you were like oh i didn't realize how fucking beautiful everything looked in here like most of the time it's you know tree beard is is you know he's being annoying and he's he's like you know like uh tree i'm no tree <laughs> And, uh, and, and like, why is that an insult to be called a tree in in tree universe? Yep. Um, but, uh, but you know, they, they, it's that long thing where he keeps going back to his int brothers and, you know, (laughs) and is like, we've discussed, we have agreed that you are not orcs and all that. But you look at some of the scenes in there, just the way the light, the lighting is, the, the extra colors, the 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 sharpness of the picture and everything it's like watching the movie for the first time again wow that's how good it looks um so uh, do you think there's a resource out there probably has to be right who i'm sure it's subjective but is there an app or a website that tells you which 4k transfers are transcendent and which ones are just blocked i'm oh, sure there idea. are i haven't looked for any uh mainly like when i go to the store i'm i'm kind of a dummy buyer where it's like where it's like oh that movie's on 4k i'll just go ahead and get it uh but i i have restricted it to those type of movies like the martian and stuff like that yeah. i don't i'm like i'm not gonna go out of my way to get harold and kumar on 4k or whatever the fuck it is especially because yeah. in that movie when they drive to new jersey they don't go over a bridge that's right like they don't, to. yeah they don't go over a bridge <laughs> did you right. notice a difference in the martian have you cracked oh that the up martian and... is beautiful i i, I you, between the blu-ray oh, and 4K? oh yeah yeah there's no contest oh, God. there's no contest i mean wow. it already looks beautiful right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. the 4k it blows that out oh my god yeah i'd be willing i'd be willing it. just before you guys left to show you what it looks uh, like um, uh, but anyway that's a short one you already know if you like lord of the rings or not i'm not recommending or warning the movie itself i mean you know i would recommend the the whole series um even though we make fun of how long these movies are and especially you, the last one had you seen the extended editions 
all of them before. Mm-hmm. I had I've them seen on, Two Towers. I don't think I've seen the other extended editions. I had them on DVD uh, uh. back in the day, and uh, used to be the preferred watches. That yeah. I, which is funny when we came around to sending Lord of the Rings, we watched they did the theatrical versions, mm-hmm. and so people were get on comments and say, <laughs> of but they explained it in the extended yeah, edition yeah, what yeah. has happened, and it's like, yeah, we know, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think it's time to talk a little bit about Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis. First and foremost, because she just shared with her husband on a podcast, made news yesterday, that they don't bathe very often. And they don't bathe their children very often. Mm. Now let's talk about a movie where she doesn't bathe often. (laughs) A movie called Boot Camp. Boot Camp. Um... Yeah, see, I have... Where are you getting these... I know know where you're getting these. These movies are truffles, and I have... The pig knows. You're the pig and in Nicolas Cage's movie. This is. I actually flipped over to this. I read the description, uh, and it said, uh, a, a teen, "Troubled teens are sent to a <clears throat> rehabilitation camp on an island." Oh, so I flip over to that because I'm all about rehabilitating teens um, on islands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I literally said, "Is that Mila Kunis?" As soon as I flipped over, because there's Mila Kunis. Yeah, uh, there are only two other people in this that I recognized. Um, one is is her boyfriend, which is the the kid from Small Soldiers, which is also one of Mel Gibson's sons that gets shot in The Patriot. His name is Gregory Smith. Okay, all right. Um, he's got muscles now. Good for him. Is mm-hmm. she one of the teens? She's one of the teens. This was made in 2008. Eight. Yeah. Oh. Um, so she is sent here at first by her parents, and her boyfriend is left behind, and he doesn't He doesn't trust this place. He doesn't know what's going on. It's a boot camp on a fucking island. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and I will caveat this. The movie takes great pains to let you know places like this were real and maybe still are. Mm. We already know... There's all kinds of horrible camps that wicked parents send their kids to, uh, gay conversion camps and shit like that. Um, and there are scared straight type camps and whatnot. <clears throat> and pl- most of them are controversial. Let's be honest. Yeah. So the parents have sent Mila Kunis off, and she she arrives with a batch of new recruits. And um, Fargo, who shoots the cop, uh, Russian... Peter Stormare? Peter Stormare is the camp runner. He runs the camp. You do not want to go to a camp led by Peter Storm. No, you don't. <laughs> you really don't. No, you don't. Especially if it's on a fucking island. And so basically, this is just a really bad average movie. Uh-huh. Um, there's a hierarchy of all the campers. And once you have had your session, which is very uh, Scientology-esque, and, and admitted your shortcomings, you get to trade your black shirt for a yellow shirt. Huh. And then you graduate from yellow shirt to white shirt. And then if you're a good white shirt for long enough, you get to go home. Okay. The white shirt that we meet first is a woman. She's mean. She's very mean to Mila Kunis, but she herself has been here for two years. Oh. And Mila Kunis, she's like, fuck all this. I'm not going to follow your rules. I'm not going to. I'm going to have lip. And she does all the wrong things <laughs> for, for the first 30 days on the camp. She ends up in solitary. They have these holes in the ground, solitary holes in the ground. Oh, no. Um. They beat each other up when they're inappropriate um, to try and curry favor with Peter Stormare, who watches all this from a video camera. This is just a really, really bad movie. Oh, no. Well, then, boyfriend, Gregory Smith, small soldiers, 
He does what you would naturally do. He starts shooting up heroin so that his parents will send him to the same boot camp island. He goes to he goes straight to heroin. Goes straight to heroin. <laughs> ends up mm-hmm. ends up mm-hmm. set to the same fucking camp. I'll show you people. Yeah, yeah. And then st- decides to basically escape. They all have these ankle bracelets on, right? Well, he figures out a way to, to pop it off, and he and Mila Kunis steal a boat. Mm. And then they put up. They they go to a nearby island, which just so happens to be like a resort island. Oh. Rent a room with money. I can't possibly assume they have. Okay. And there's a really sun dripped shower love scene. Ooh. And then you hear something drop on the table, and they turn, and it's the camp guards. No, they found them. They take them back. They put them in solitary. You can't leave. You stole our boat. And. Uh, slowly but surely, they convince all the campers that Peter Stormare is evil, and they kill him. Nice. The end. Nice. Not good. I recommend you so stay away. So this is not a comedy, then. No, it's played like a Lord of the Flies kind of deal, mm-hmm. um, because some of the campers are so indoctrinated, they don't want to turn against Stormare. They want to beat up the new campers. It's not good. Had potential. Mm-hmm. Had potential. Interesting mm-hmm. premise. Don't go there. Uh, okay. Don't go there. Uh, You're going there. <laughs> <laughs> 2008? Yeah, well, that's what Chris said. He uh, how old is Mila Kunis? Uh, Mila Kunis. What, uh, 37 going on 38. Yeah. So she was 84. Uh, 83. 83. Okay, so she was 25 at this point. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, 25-year-old Mila Kunis looks yeah. 16. Uh, 37-year-old Mila Kunis. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very <laughs> true. Know, very true. Uh, that's uh, okay. I feel like we, we could have squeezed out more prime Mila Kunis like, performances, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, she she was... I thought she was... She wasn't given anything to work with in Ted, uh, but she wasn't a problem with Ted. Uh, obviously great in that 70s show. She's not the problem with bad moms, either. Um, but, like... It, it, American Psycho 2? <laughs> like I mean, what is... She, okay, if we're talking acting chops... Uh, Black Swan. What else? Great has she, in Black What Swan. else has she done where you're just like she's a phenomenal actress? Nothing else, really. I mean, it's she. She's serviceable, obviously, but she's good. I think. I mean, you look Certain at certain roles. She's she funny. She doesn't elevate anything that she's in. I don't think. Uh, I will say, for, forgetting Sarah Marshall, she's not what makes that movie special. I agree. I agree. But she she's is fine. She is. That is one of her best performances. I agree. But I think that, unlike Paul Rudd. Or British guy, like I, I don't think you could swap out. He's Australian. I don't think you could swap out everybody in that movie and still have it work. Probably. I not. think you could swap her role and and honestly, Kristen Bell. Um, but I love that movie. I'm not trying to change it. I'm yeah, just yeah, saying. Yeah. She's always been a serviceable, better than average. Yeah, you're right about Black who Swan. Apparently, doesn't bathe. I, I wonder if if Black Swan was just her like leveling up to where everybody else was. Maybe. And then the rest of her career is well. She's been doing going down to where she a voice on one of those. Family oh, she guy. is a Family Guy, yeah. So she's making that Simpsons money. Yeah, she is. Um, that was what was that was the funny thing about they did a a table read of some script that they weren't able to do on TV because it was too fucked up or something like that. They got everybody in to do their voices and. And they introduced everybody one by one. I think it was Seth MacFarlane who was like, and. From American Psycho 2, <laughs> Mila Kunis. <laughs> Jupiter Ascending is terrible. Yes, she is. was fine in Date Night, but she was only in there for a second. 
Uh, I didn't see Extract. Max Payne. She's okay in Extract. Uh, Extract's um, weird. Oh, she's fine in that uh, Timberlake uh, Yeah, uh, Friends with Benefits. Thing. Mm-hmm. Friends with Benefits. Or no strings attached. Does yeah, it- either one, which had you know both Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis uh, uh, in, in both of them. And uh, Book of Eli, she's fine. But like, yeah, it just ain't... It she's just ain't not... Gonna- I think she's probably got talent that she, we haven't seen, but she's not been asked to do much beyond be herself. I don't. Think. I was thinking about yeah. this uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago. Uh, actually, I think it was yesterday because I was I was watching uh, the Rick and Morty. There was a Rick and Morty that came on recently that had a dinner with schmucks vibe mm-hmm. in it, and that movie Dinner with Schmucks is not you know it's not all that good, but no. but Steve Carell elevates that movie. Yeah. Um and and i i felt like i was sitting there thinking man steve carell does this a lot like it so there's a lot of movies that aren't very good but because he's in it you you give it a chance um and so there are actors out there who who elevate their material they know they either know they're in not in a not so good movie or they try to make that not so good movie uh uh really good and they, they just say hey you know this is a job we're supposed we're professionals let's do this i'm not saying that mila kunis isn't professional i'm just saying that uh, some actors seem to be able to elevate material that's not all that you know you you get lukewarm reviews but then you watch the movie later and like oh that's pretty good yeah. steve carell's awesome in it yeah matthew perry dakota johnson yeah, yeah. matthew dakota. perry <laughs> no seriously i mean if you don't have matthew perry in the whole nine yards i don't think it's nearly as funny probably not no i agree with that i mean um, he brings more to that movie than bruce willis does bruce <laughs> Bruce Willis, Bruce he's, Willis he's has barely not, got his eyes open. But, but see, the thing is, I don't think he's quit acting or quit trying at that point. I just think he's playing a character who seems like he has quit trying. Yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, Matthew Perry makes that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to review what we um, we uh, just recommended and warned, Barrett, much like he always does, started out wreck a warning, peace, love, and rage, Woodstock 99. But then, by the end of him talking about it, was about to warn the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, talk myself into it. That's right, Jeremy. Uh, Rekka warned the high note with Dakota Johnson, and he warned boot camp with Mila Kunis. Uh, and uh, then um, I uh, Rekka warned Ishtar. It's a very confusing movie that I had to rehash in my head just now. Uh, but uh, better than you would expect if you if you grew up thinking, oh, that movie's just terrible. It's just one of the biggest bombs of all time. It doesn't necessarily mean it's one of the worst movies of all time. Waterworld had that same... Last action hero. Yeah, had that same sort of deal. And then I also recommended Lord of the Rings in 4K. If you got the equipment, you should get it and watch that shit. Um, 4K. That's right. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, just keep telling us uh, what you think about this guest, the goose game. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm maybe too close to it, but I, I feel like I did a bad job. Oh, uh, you did great. good. And, uh, and, and you can't, can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> uh, but no, keep going to, uh, Syncast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on CinemaSins Twitter, uh, music videos since Twitter, SoundCloud and Discord. That's going to do it for uh, this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Sherr. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.
I was reading a Matt Damon interview yesterday. For the Times? Huh? For the New York Times? I don't know. Maybe. It was excerpted from whatever yeah. the interview. But it was talking about Jack Nicholson rewriting scenes for The Departed. Did, was that in that interview you read? Uh, I haven't read it yet. So there was a, there's a, in The Departed, <clears throat> the scene where he shoots the woman on the beach, and there's that weird lighting effect, and then he goes, gee, she fell funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other guy goes, you should see somebody. In the script, it literally says, Francis assassinates a victim by the beach. That's literally all that was <laughs> there. And apparently Nicholson had said to Damon, I would never have gotten as far as I have if I wasn't a fucking good writer. And so he came in for that scene with notes that he had written where he came up with the whole she fell funny. Um, and he also came up with another line that they cut where after he says she fell funny, they start to leave and Nicholson goes, wait, I want to fuck her one more time. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and then the buddy says, you should see someone, Francis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Damon was, seemed really impressed with the, not only that he was so creative, but that he didn't cost the production any extra time or money the way he enhanced the scene it it didn't take any longer to shoot he just you know came in with a little bit more specific way to i thought it was pretty fascinating yeah yeah but that line of wait i think i want to fuck her one more time (laughs) (laughs) it's such a that's such a him thing to do too (laughs) i'm on the the kubrick twitter topic list or whatever it is and uh his birthday was uh, a couple days ago and uh it showed this this wonderful behind the scenes clip of the shining uh, where Kubrick is in, it's where Wendy has just dragged Jack into the storage room, mm-hmm. and he he gets up and he does the whole Wendy. If you let you let me out, I'll forget the whole goddamn thing. And it's it's Kubrick on the side talking to I guess it was Alcott at, at that point, and he's like he's looking through his thing and he's like getting a side shot and he's like I don't think that's gonna work, and so he's like Jack just. Uh, put your hands up like that on the door and then you see kubrick who was much skinnier back then uh crawl underneath him and just literally do the 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 upshot mm -hmm. and uh and then nicholson goes through his lines he's like wendy and he's looking at the door if you'd let me out and kubrick's like i tell you what i like that a lot can you just look down the entire time and uh and then it cuts to the shot from the movie where it's him looking down, his hair is all crazy. He's like, you got a big surprise coming. <laughs> you got a big fucking surprise. Go look at the snowcat. And uh, and then it cuts to an outside shot of the production. And it's Kubrick literally laying there, like, ensconced in, like, fucking uh, styrofoam. So he doesn't move. Hmm. With the camera, looking up at Jack. And he's got, for the light, he's got, a, a like, a fucking lamp on his belly. Mm-hmm. With no shade. And, like, just the light bulb on. And so he does the thing, Kubrick doesn't move, and then Jack immediately out of character, and he starts fucking with Kubrick. He's like, hey, you got a little lamp on it. Pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes from this crazy, menacing Jack Torrance to like all of a sudden, he's like, hey. That's funny. It's uh, the, I don't know if you heard that uh, Kevin Pollock thing with uh, Pete Holmes. I haven't yet. I need to listen to that. Uh, but uh, uh, Kevin Pollock said that uh, on A Few Good Men... There was a point where he's like, yeah, I didn't get to talk to to Jack Nicholson all that much. But there was this one point where we were walking back to our trailers. Didn't say anything all the way down to our trailers and everything. We got about, we're about to get open our doors or whatever. And he's like, Jack Nicholson turned to me and he's like, 
I was on the set of this movie called Chinatown, and uh, there was a there was a point where uh, I, w- I was having a scene with Jack Houston, where I had to say where he says, "Are you sleeping with my daughter?" <clears throat> And God damn it, if I wasn't actually sleeping with his real daughter in real <laughs> yeah, life. Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. I wonder if he was thinking about that the whole walk over. <laughs> or he just wanted something to say. And yes, it was. <laughs> oh, well, there's there was another thing going around. Um, a, a little clip, behind the scenes clip of uh, Casino. Did you see this? It was Casino, and it was Robert De Niro uh, and uh, Don Rickles. And uh, and uh, De Niro flubs a line. And Rickles is like, you're supposed to say on the desert. You're supposed to say on the sand. What are you? You got a big pop-out trailer, and you can't get your fucking lines right? <laughs> it's like, do the fucking lines, and then we'll get back. De Niro's cracking the fuck up this entire time. <laughs> but, like, Rickles could say shit to anybody. Yeah. Yep. Like, the whole famous Frank Sinatra story will still make me laugh every time mm-hmm. he says it. Uh, or said it. Uh, but that was hilarious. It's literal footage. I'll send you guys some of these. Use guys, some of these use things. Use guys. guys. We'll send you like, guys. You got a pop out trailer. <laughs> you can't get your fucking lines right. <laughs> Did you get any stories from uh, Josh and Jeremy about how he was on set? He no, seems like he that, is not as. It's just that Josh was super intimidated, and Jeremy was not, and like they they had to basically wrestle him to the ground, and yeah. Jeremy just went for it yeah which is not surprising not at all, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and josh was like oh god i don't want to i don't want to hurt rob de niro mm-hmm. <laughs> i scrubbed out, through that like whole movie spear <laughs> i scrubbed through that whole movie just to see their scene and it's, it's like lightning fast but mm. <clears throat> anyway they worked with de niro can't take that away from that's him. true yeah, he's a me- he's a, always been a method guy right yeah i think so yeah, I don't know if he still does method he, stuff now. I, I doubt he's going method to, to play to, right? the, the war with Grandpa. But, uh, <laughs> but but yes, back in the day, like he taxi driver, he actually got a job as a taxi driver and <laughs> and did the actual work and all that um, was is what I've always heard mm-hmm. about taxi driver and um, not sure about Raging Bull, but I'm sure he he did a lot of boxing. Uh, and a lot of eating. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say a lot of calories. Mm-hmm. Did he go? He went from skinny to fat, not fat to skinny, right? I don't know. He could have done the Tom Hanks thing where it was he was fat and then yeah, skinny, right? I don't know. I feel like that's the way to go if you can, if you've got the the time, because mm-hmm. otherwise you've you've then got to go from skinny to fat, then back to some sort of mm-hmm. reasonable shape afterwards. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to uh, to look up all the times that he that De Niro may have done that kind of thing. Imagine seeing him at a restaurant with like six entrees in front of him. Hey, what are you doing, Bobby? <laughs> oh, prepping for a film. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in pre production. <laughs> Getting fat for a movie. Getting fat for a movie. <laughs> well, you always say like Clooney uh, when he did what was it, Syriana, or maybe it was Michael Clayton, where he put on a few pounds. And uh, I remember like a, a GQ article and he was like, I eat pasta before bed. That's how you get fat. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he said something like at the end of Michael Clayton, when he gets in that cab at the end, that, uh, that he, that a lot of people have read into whatever his expression is at the end of the movie and everything. And he's like, 
you know, all it is is we we're and we're you know we're actually in New York City. We I get in the back of the cab. Nobody really knows that there's a movie being shot or whatever. But there's this guy. I think there's these people who notice that it's him <laughs> in the back, and he's trying to not laugh the entire time. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> oh that's hilarious! <laughs> because it's his performance is really good in that scene. I've mm-hmm. got to watch mm-hmm. that again. That's um, hilarious because it goes on for so fucking long. Yeah. Uh, you would never know that he was trying not to laugh. That's yeah, hysterical. Yeah. I don't know how many times Christian Bale's got this in him. Like, this weight change in him. Because he, he did Ford versus Ferrari. Ferrari? Ford versus Ferrari right after Vice, right? Wasn't that his next movie? Um, no. I don't know, but the one that the weight was a problem was The Machinist, I think. That was where he was really crazy. But Ford versus Ferrari, he's super thin there, too. I mean, He's got is- the stooped... Kind he's, of he's thin. very thin, but I think the weight gain is medically much less safe than he did for Vice. Like, yeah, because he he bloated all the way up. Yeah, and, and I guess American Hustle, he had some girth too, but nothing he did, like Vice. I, I think that's a lot of actors have done it. I think it's dangerous. Well, yeah, you remember the guy. Well, you guys don't watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but uh, Rob, I've seen uh, many seasons of that. You have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Mac, um, you know, the, mm-hmm. the good looking guy, I guess Yeah, that, uh, just one season he decided to get fat. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> there was no, like, there was no plot written into it or anything like no reason why he was just fat because he thought it was funny. That's interesting. And then like the next season he had just trimmed everything down and got like super buff. And that's when he did, or few uh seasons later is when he did that dance scene that i showed you mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not amazing. humorous but you can spot um matthew perry's drug problem by watching friends because you can see well so what's the issue like the it, ultra skinny years <clears throat> so he was skinny when he was on drugs but then he got puffy he got a little puffier but, but, but that's when he was then. off yeah. drugs yeah See, I thought I thought it was the other way around. I thought he had gotten puffier because he was on drugs, but no. I don't know how that. God bless him. God bless he's him. A, he's a funny dude. I like that guy. Uh, yeah. yeah. A, I even like Fools Rush In. I do too. Fools mm-hmm. Rush In is good. Mm-hmm. Whole nine yards is good. Mm-hmm. Who was in uh, Fools Rush In with him? Salma Hayek. That's not a bad movie. Um, uh, it's it's not. It's watchable and fun. Yeah. He's funny in it. It's a rom-com. It's very, just like Whole Nine Yards, he's basically playing Chandler, and that's his wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, but it's a it's a fish out of water. He has a one-night stand with a Mexican girl, and and he has to like meet her family, and they don't accept him because he's a white man. They're super Catholic. There's yeah, a funny moment when he walks into the house, and he goes, oh, Jesus, because he gets scared, and it pans over, and it's Jesus on a cross. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, his, his parents are super racist and yeah. all that. That's, that's the other thing. The white people are melting. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, but there, I love the scene where like he gets, he gets the grace papaya like, uh, uh, delivered out to Vegas. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like he's like talking about how great these hot dogs are, man. These are the best hot dogs ever. And then uh, so he gets them all delivered out, and Salma Hayek's like eats another one of these, like you know, with a, all the relish and everything on it and everything. And he's like, he's like doing all the, like, <laughs> yes, oh my yeah. god, that's that's the best, right, or whatever. And of course, I think she's just kind of like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah. Uh, he was really good in Scrubs too. He uh, played a played a dude that uh, hated his dad. In Scrubs. I don't remember. I never watched Scrubs, but I don't remember that. God, I don't remember Matthew Perry in that either. 
He uh, he, he played a he played a young man named Murray. He was an air traffic controller, mm. uh, and he was like he one of the reasons that he hated his dad, whom everybody loved at, at the hospital, uh, was that he named him Murray. And uh, he was like, "That's an old man's name." And Zach Braff was like, "That's yeah, not an old man, uh, old man's name." And he's like, "Oh yeah." And he was like, "Murray." And he's, <laughs> he's in the and all these old guys come out of their, their rooms and they're like, "Yeah." <laughs> Oh, cut that one. Um... <laughs>